Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Mac Daddy Pete Robertson. Hello. Good day. Hey, how are you doing, Pete? I'm doing well. Hey, do you know we have a new app? A new app? Yes. Yeah. You know, I was actually just looking at it this morning. I mean, it's, up. You can listen to all the podcasts. Yeah. You can go right to YouTube from the app. Right. It's pretty cool. It is. I mean, it's like, you know, I've heard people say that, hey, how do you, do you guys have an app? So it's really easy. I can just click on it. There's an app for that. There's an app for that. <laughs> it's been out for like a month, but we just really haven't like yeah. shared it or talked about it. I wonder how many people are listening right now to the show talking about an app, but they're listening from the app. Ooh, that would be weird, really cool. right? Yeah, if they but know. I about think it. most people probably don't know about it yet. So yeah. download the app; it'll just make your life easier. Yeah, and, and everything see, will be at your fingertips. And you see our little thumbnail on there, and it'll be all kind of funny. You know, me, you. That's right. You get to see stuff. Pete's big hair. Yeah, all that fun stuff. It does. It is big in the app, uh, in it. I think it, I have like a. <laughs> but that's uh, out. So yeah, go to the Google or Apple Play Store and. You can download, download the, the Riot it's Podcast app. Hey, can you access the natural discipleship um, tools from that app as uh, well? Or we that- haven't updated it yet, but soon. So like one of the things you guys know is we're connected with natural discipleship. And um, if you're listening to this and you want a personal discipleship ministry, reach out to us. Or if you're just wanting to be discipled and just want someone to take you, we have a bunch of different curriculums that we can disciple you through. And so... Um, you can go through our nine steps or our keys to being set free. And they're really, really, I mean, the keys to being set free is one of those, those um, curriculums that will absolutely transform your lives. If you, if you enter in doing this um, with somebody or even with a coach or with, you know, one of us that we could take you through it, um, it will definitely rac- radically change your life and transform you and just give you a personal discipleship ministry. But if that's you, Come, join, uh, reach out to us. Go to the riotpodcast.com or go to the notes or go into our social media, um, you know, Facebook, uh, what X in uh, yeah. Instagram, but I think Facebook's probably the easiest. Go to the messenger or whatever and just say, Hey, I would like to be discipled and get your information and we'll, we'll get in contact with you. But, awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So we are in the middle. I know you love football. Yeah. So we're in the middle of the NFL playoffs. Who do you think is going to the Super Bowl this year? You Pete? don't, you don't like football? Just a little bit. I think you're more college than you are. In yeah, college. well, that's quickly changing. I might be more NHL now. I'm, so you're wanting Miami? This whole portal thing, and yeah, uh, yeah just it's been a rough month for my team, Pete. Yeah, and, <laughs> I and need it, a break. And it's and it is and it is tough. Um, as far as the hottest teams, Dallas. Uh, I mean, if we want to be safe, we have San Francisco. Um, they got the one seed, right? Yeah, San Francisco and um, Baltimore. Baltimore. Those are the two. So you take the favorites. chalk, right? You could just put them in the Super Bowl. Uh no. <laughs> it, who is the hottest team coming in? The Rams? Oh um, maybe they maybe. won a lot of the last their I think they Did Green Bay make the playoffs? Yep, barely. But they won like their last five they or six, strong. right? They, yeah, that quarterback in Green Bay is I like he him. He might be legit. I like him. The Cowboys have been unbeatable at home, but mediocre at best on the road. Yep. Yeah, but they in Oh, just didn't seem inconsistent, but I was just not sure. I don't know. One and done. Yeah. Who knows? But I mean, I like, I, I, I'm i not huge on NFL. I don't know why. I just, I mean, watch it. You know, I'll watch the Super Bowl. Okay. Well, then let's talk about college. But that's Nick Saban is well, retired. Yeah. So has some other ones. Oh, no. That's Bill Belichick. 
Yeah, back to the NFL. Yeah. But I mean, it's the I think what's happening in college football is not good. I mean, all these kids that are playing for these teams, where's the loyalty? And now they're just being transferred right away. I mean, what portal, transfer yeah. portal, where but, they're just able to just move. Do you know how that works exactly? Not really. Yeah. The whole thing's kind of confusing. And the fact that they open it up before the season's over. Yeah, because like what weird. I was saying is like they were sitting out on the bowl game and they would say that um, the reason why they're sitting out is because they're in the transfer portal. Yeah. So like, you're not even supporting your school. It's weird, right? Yeah, I don't know. And then, and then you know, I like this kid, oh, he started at so-and-so last year. And then, oh, he started the year before at so-and-so. So and this is his third school in three years. What is that all about? There's no loyalty anymore. I know. So when you get in the NFL, you know how you hear guys like, I went to the Ohio State University or yep. USC. Or, now what are they going to say? It's right, going to take them five minutes to tell them where they went. Yeah, I went to da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, I feel like it's damaging the product. College football was so good. It was, yeah, it's not right. But, and then next year, they'll be going into the the 12. I think I'm okay with that. I like the playoff uh, system opening. playoff. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and then more days. They're going to add more days, uh, more games, I guess. I guess. What are they going to do? Shorten the regular season by one game or something? I don't know. Like I hadn't heard that. I did hear they're going to 12, though. But yeah, I think the first round is going to be... Like, in in their stadium yeah. and then i think they're going to use bowl games after that so that'd be fun you know yeah. changing the subject last yep. week's show was so funny what was last week's show that was the sarah show right no that was the next week sarah shows next week oh the next week's show <laughs> they scratched that <laughs> <laughs> a little inside baseball right there hey so you know what's really funny is that we're going to be doing an awesome show today <laughs> genesis 15 Okay, executive producer, make sure we don't do shows out of order in the future. Because Pete's going to give it away on air. Everybody's that's listening going like, what are you talking about? Uh, you know, we're real that's people. So funny. And we talk in a real way, uh, and vulnerable and fun. But That's hilarious. But today's show, let's just go back to this. Today's show, we're calling it Faith in the Face of Uncertainty. When we were writing the show or working out the show, um, the details. It was just, it was an emotional show because it's just, I really believe this show is going to be extremely powerful. Um, we're just going to unpack Genesis 15 a little bit, but spoke to me because we're going to be talking about how we sometimes go into darkness in our, in our moments. And I can really relate to that and uh, really just hearing, you know, God speak and so on. So anyway, I'm looking forward to it. You want to pray? Yes. Before I get, put, get my foot out of my mouth and <laughs> I can move on. It's funny. It's real. We were just talking about being real. <laughs> I, I love it. Hey, you know, we make mistakes. Yeah. We make mistakes. It's all good. <laughs> Lord, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that uh, we can make mistakes and uh, you forgive us. Lord, thank you for the ultimate forgiveness and sending your son and uh, just cover uh, our multitude of sins. Lord, uh, you are a perfect holy God. And uh, because of Jesus, we have a way back to you. So, Lord, we ask that uh, you just bless the show today. You speak through Pete and I as we uh, just dive more into the life of Abraham. And what a, just what a great example that uh, he is for us even today. Lord, thank you for uh, this book and uh, just just knowing your character through all of it. Uh, it's just it's just an amazing thing. So we thank you for our listeners and we ask you to bless the show now in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what I was thinking about, is that we did the show about Abraham. We did. So this is now coming into talking about Abraham. All right, now Absolutely. I make sense. All right. I think you got it straight now. Yeah, I was just telling you when I was right, sometimes I put a lot of things up on my screen 
and and I'll look at it and I'll think, okay, that's John, whatever, that's Matthew, da da da, and I have this. And when I write it, I'm writing based off the last thing that I just looked at. So I'll put Matthew seven thirteen, but I'm referencing John eight twenty two, and I don't know why my brain does that. It's just like I maybe I need to close my different browsers and just stay on the one, but it, but I have to think all in context. So for me, I have to have all of them. So Most of the, the time picture. it comes out right. I mean, every once in a while, you know, we'll read a verse and then, you know, give a, give an address to it. And our, and our listeners are probably like, yeah, yeah that's not but, in, that's not in Romans. <laughs> that's yeah. in John. So talking about imperfection, please forgive us guys. If we've ever done that, it's a lot of times. Sure we have. Is. Um, but I did You're it fun. this show and my uh, lovely producer here uh, caught it. And so she was able to awesome. correct it, but yeah. Well, great title. I think this is catchy. Faith in the face of uncertainty. Love I it. like it. Yep. Many Christians often often encounter moments of spiritual darkness, as expressed by the Puritan theologian theologian yep. Thomas Goodwin. So Goodwin observed that even those who sincerely fear and obey God can find themselves engulfed in a state of darkness, devoid of spiritual enlightenment. This condition can persist can persist for an extended period of time, causing the individual to navigate numerous days or maybe even years without a glimpse of light. The biblical prophet Isaiah echoes Godwin's sentiment as he writes in Isaiah 50, verse 10, questioning those who fear the Lord, obey his servant's voice, and walk in darkness without light. Isaiah encourages such individuals to place their trust in the name of the Lord and depend on their God. Yeah, even, so I mean, in context, when you read Isaiah 50, from one down, the, the context there is basically he's recognizing that, yes, there's moments of darkness where everything around you just seems, ugh, you know, it's just not fun. Yeah. But even in that, keep your eyes on God. So he was just, he's reminding his listeners again, even in that. But it's like in those moments, we're tempted to, to, to find comfort. We're tempted to find relief some way, somehow. And so we're really working out a way to 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 make sense of mm -hmm. what is going on, and so that's we're going to talk about this a little bit because this is exactly what Abraham was doing, right? And we can relate very well to this. And so, yeah, stay the course. Yeah. All right. During these moments, even the most devoted Christians may feel lost, perceive a distance between them and God. However, would it be possible that these periods of temporary darkness serve as opportunities? God to cultivate a deeper and more profound love relationship with his followers. Absolutely. With you, with me. Absolutely. It's, it's my, my daughter is going through um, a stretching time. My, my middle daughter. And um, you know, it's a moments of darkness. I mean, she's definitely going through it right now and she's being hit in all sides. And, and, you know, I was just talking with her and just hearing how God is just moving within her and how she's just drawing closer to the Lord and she's finding that peace. But when I talked to her about the realness, I said, are you, I mean, is, is this wrestling? Is this tough and whatever? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. But I just, I, but it's helping her draw closer to the Lord in it. And it's, it's like you just said, God to cultivate a deep, deeper and more profound love relationship. And that's definitely taking place. You, you have two choices in the midst of the darkness. You can have that relationship, or you can have the moments where it's... Yeah, yeah. You, you can run towards him yeah. or run towards something else. Don't do the latter. All right, in our reading today, we, we encounter Abraham, who finds himself undergoing this very experience of darkness and separation from God. Yet, within this darkness, we witness God meeting Abraham and providing assistance 
in three significant ways. First, God ensures Abraham's safety, a provision that brings comfort and insurance. Secondly, God promises Abraham an heir, which holds great significance and carries the promise of Messiah. Amen. Lastly, God pledges to Abraham the gift of land, an everlasting possession that signifies stability and security. Let's start our reading and examine the first verse um, in Genesis 15, 1, discussing how God assured Abraham safety despite his fears. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna cover all of Genesis. Um, we're gonna be reading out of the ESV. Um, and then we're just going to dissect it into three parts. So the first part, let's just really give context and, and go through Genesis 15, 1. Okay, so verse 1 says this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. There's, I mean, there's so much there. <laughs> well, first just, of all, the Lord came to him. That's pretty cool, right? But it's just such a pack in just major stuff in, in that. In one verse. Yeah. All right, let's go. All right. In chapter 14, Abraham, Abraham achieved victory over the armies of the east, consisting of four kings, with a force of only 318 trained men. However, following this victory, he grew increasingly concerned that the defeated enemies might regroup their forces and launch an attack to obliterate, obliterate yeah. him and his so family. So we covered, I think, Genesis 14, I believe, in November yeah, of last a little year. while. Yeah. So we did cover this what's going on here. Um, last week's show, we just kind of broke down Abraham and we, we alluded to this a little bit, but this is, you know, just kind of try to understand this. This is four Kings, uh, big armies. And there, you know, Abraham has 318 trained men. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And he defeated four Kings. Yeah. All right. So this caused him to experience profound distress and was com completely consumed in darkness. We also know that he was experiencing darkness because of Chapter uh, verse 12 in chapter 15, where it says, Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Yeah. That sounds scary, Pete. It is scary. And it's, I mean, just put yourself in his shoes. So you you just did something. I mean, okay, so all right, this your family was taken advantage, Lot and his family were taken, all of your possessions, all of their possessions were taken. And now you have to travel by foot. I think it was like seven days all the way to Damascus. So they're down on the lower part of Israel by the Gaza Strip area. So they're down there. They're traveling all the way up through that, all through the Golan Heights, all the way into Syria, into Damascus. And by foot, that's a good five days. So that so he's there. He's taking 318 men. And he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, literally, he probably was like in, not himself. I mean, he was probably... I'm thinking maybe enraged a little bit, scared a little bit, like, hey, what's going on? I need to get my family back, right? They took my family and they took all of our stuff. But he's he's going, he was probably inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's probably on him. He gets it, he goes, <clears throat> and he's just traveling however long it took him. And he gets there and all of these kings are there and his 318 men I guess took them by surprise, but there was no doubt they were like empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt that God was in there. It's impossible. And so he goes, he takes it, he takes all the land, he takes all back their goods, he takes the people, takes the cattle, and he brings them all the way back there. He then meets Melchizedek. We're going to do a show just on Melchizedek uh, later, but he meets Melchizedek. He gives an offering of the tithe. He bows down, he gives alms. Uh, he basically worships Melchizedek. I mean, I believe he's a Christophany of Jesus. 
Um, and because he comes nowhere, but we'll get into what, who Melchizedek is. We talked a little bit about him later, but now that's done. And his thought process is, okay, I, we're going to go into this. I know that this is not done yet. I mean, I, my life is still in danger. These guys are going to know who I am and they have a huge army. They're going to regroup and maybe there. So just put yourself in his shoes, right? Just try to imagine what he is probably going through. I mean, just think about it. I mean, think about if these big, huge armies that are around us, and I only have 318 guys that are worthy of fighting. I mean, that's, I just, I did this and I was like, okay, I get it, Abraham. I get it. I understand the darkness. And I'm sure Satan's playing mind games with him. I'm sure that he's coming against him in such a way that he's bringing all these fearful things and what ifs, right? The what ifs of like, oh my gosh, and all this. So we are made in the image of God. And this includes our emotions. So we have to understand that he's emotional. I'm emotional. You're emotional. So while it's unwise to trust your emotions and bypass your mind or let your emotions get out of control, it is also unwise to deny and suppress your emotions and become a religious robot. In the Psalms, David and others writers told God honestly how they felt about him, themselves and their circumstances. And this is a good example for us to follow. Jesus was a real man and showed real emotions of joy, sorrow, holy anger, and love. Abraham was showing his emotions of fear here. And so this is what's going on. Abraham's now asking the questions, real hard questions, um, but that's what's going on. So. Okay. Well, not to be too hard on Abraham, but right. you know, now that he's won this battle with his 318, why would he be afraid? That's, I mean, that's a good point because he must know that, okay, there's no way that he defeated them on his own. He's right. got to know that. Yes. He's got to know that something supernatural took place. So why would he be afraid? That's a great question. Why? You know, why would we be afraid when God has done great things in our life, but we're still afraid? Why? <laughs> right. But for one thing, he was human. So that's the first thing I can think. And our emotions can fall apart after a time of great danger and difficulty. Um, this helps us explain why Elijah was so discouraged at the victory over Baal on Mount Carmel. Remember that in, yes. in 1 Kings 19? I mean, here's this Elijah. This guy has all this power, but he's freaking out, right? So it's it's just like, what? But after the mountaintop comes the valley. Another factor could be we ha uh, what we have shared already, the kings will regroup and could attack him. So Abraham knew that the Eastern kings did not take defeat high lightly or let enmity die down quickly as his guests, they would want to him dead. So <clears throat> a number of things, there's a spiritual element here. So the spiritual element is, is, is Satan brings fear to us in moments and times we've, yes, we've seen God work, but man, Satan says, ah, I'm going to get you. And I've learned that from every high that I've had with war, I've know that there's been a spiritual attack on the end of the side. It's like, wait, I just was preaching the thousands. And the next thing is I'm now I'm scared to death and I'm falling short of God's glory. There's a spiritual element here. Hmm. And then Satan probably used the element of these kings, these powerful kings. And he's probably putting in his planet in his mind over and over and over again. It's like, oh, I'm going to die. This is going to be even worse. I think I just stirred the the hornet's nest, and now look what's going to happen. That's part. Yeah, I think it happens for me when I, I get my eyes off of God, and I'm starting thinking, okay, how how am I going to handle this? How am I going to defend my family? How yeah. am I going? You know, like, wait, yeah. how am I going to support wait. him? How am I going to feed him? How am I going to do this? But God just supplied all your needs the following year. <laughs> how quickly we forget sometimes. Yeah. Yep. All right. 
Yeah. All right. Well, this brings us to another question. What about God's covenant and promise to Abraham? What what we what we are witnessing is a man who is completely vulnerable and aware of God's existence, and he knows that God's word is true. However, he's still experiencing fear and anxiety like us. Nevertheless, Abraham eventually listens to God during the process of working out his salvation. Yeah, I mean, it's like you have a testimony that God has been faithful in walking, um, but there's still anxiety. Again, we went back to there's human, you know, we're just human. Um, but the key in what we're going to transition here with Abraham is he finally stopped worrying and he finally surrendered to God to listen. And I think what was happening is until he did that, he was living in his emotions of fear and anxiety, and he was still trying to control it. He was still trying to figure out. We don't know how long that was, but it was until he finally said, I'm not going to give in to that. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I'm not, he didn't say that, that came later, but he probably had his own version of it. He finally says, you know what? No, God has been faithful. I'm going to believe in that. God, forgive me. Sorry. I trust you. And then that then opens heaven's gates so that God then can have a relationship with him. It's the same thing with us. Yeah. If we continue wallowing in the fear and anxiety, we're basically, our testimony is we don't believe in God. We're, we don't trust him. We don't trust. No. And But it's when we finally come to that point and say, you know what, God, forgive me of my sins. Sorry, I surrender. I believe you. Then that's when God can actually speak. And that's what happened here. And God then spoke to Abraham. In verse 1 is the first time we find in the Bible God using the, the assuring words of fear not. How cool is that, right? So we hear that throughout, fear not. Um, God repeated them to Isaac and Jacob often afterwards. A very good study for people to do is to look up all the places in the Bible that say fear not and meditate on them. I would highly recommend that. Go into Google research and, and just type in all the Bible verses that should talk about fear not and just read them. Let it encourage you. Um, God's remedy for fear was to remind Abraham who he was. Once Abraham finally listened to God, he told him he was a shield, his shield. And his great reward. What we see here is God's I am is perfectly adequate for men's, for man's I am not. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Our life is only as big as our faith, and our faith is only as big as our God. If you spend all your time looking at how big your problem is, you will not ever be in a position to hear God's promises for you. God is our shield and our reward, our protection and our provision. He was telling Abraham, you do not have to worry about another battle. God will protect him and take care of everything. And so I, I, I'm just trying to imagine, it. you know, he's saying he's his shield. So Abraham must think that it's like a force field. I'm just, this is what I'm trying to imagine, right? So he's saying, I'm your shield. So it's like, you know, we can, we can comprehend a force field. So it's like this force field that's around Abraham. Nothing's coming in. You know, we know that through Star Wars or whatever else, right? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So it's that's what it is. That's what it's saying. It's a shield. It's a force field. And so when Abraham heard that, says, okay, all the promises that you've given me so far have come true. You've obviously did something supernatural in my life when I couldn't do it. And, and as a Christian, you can recognize this and you can give, give credence to that, right? But now you're fearful and finally you say, God, I surrender. I let it go. And God shows up and says, hey, listen, son, I love you. I, I will take care of you and I will be your shield. Hmm. 
And that's the promise that he got. That's the word that he finally was able to hear, but he couldn't hear it until he finally surrendered. Once he surrendered it, God shows up and he says, I am your sheep. And so whatever you're going through, whatever the, the, the darkness or whatever that is, this promise that was given to Abraham is the same promise he's going to give to you. And we know that through Ephesians 6, where it tells us to put on the full armor of God. And, and part of that armor is the shield, the shield of faith. And, and Abraham had faith here. And I think this is where it comes from, right? And, then, and God is telling him to fear not. And Jesus is telling you, fear not. Whatever you're going through, fear not. He is your shield. He is your protector. And he will guide you, get you through this. So, all right. That's, That's really good. Yeah, yeah, I had a thought, but I lost it. I'm trying to remember. All right, I do that too. No, it's right. gone. If it pops up, I'll share right. it later. All right. all right, let's read on verses two through six. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer, did I say that right? Yep. Of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. My heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards the heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Mm. How cool is that? Like, <laughs> God, God points to the stars and says, Hey, count them. So not only is he telling them that he's going to be his shield, but now he's given him, he's reminding him of the promise that he already gave him. So God is, you know, the, there's a Bible verse that said he's, that he's faithful to complete in you what he started, right? And, and, and if God, if you surrendered your life to the Lord and you gave your life to the Lord and you've been fully all in with him, he has given you a calling. There's a calling in your life. If you've ever heard the calling, you really need to get in God's presence because there is a calling in your life. And if God has called you to something, he is faithful to complete it. And, and so what he's doing here with Abraham is he's reminding him that he's faithful, what he already told. Hmm. And so it's not only is, is Abraham finally dealing with the darkness and surrendering to the Lord and saying, God, I'm going to let you deal with the darkness. So he first gives him the shield. But then the next thing is he, he reminds him of his promise and, and he comforts him with those words. So let's, let's That's go beautiful. into statement four. And... All right. So regarding verses, uh, verses two and three. To give this context, we see Genesis 13, 16, and Genesis 12, 1 through 3. God has promised Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the dust of the earth, that they shall bring blessings to the whole world. But still, here, Abraham and Sarah are childless. And if Abraham had died, only heir he had was the chief of staff, Eliezer. So, in Abraham's mind, he is thinking, I get that you're going to protect me, but... <laughs> You keep promising me, promising me an heir. So where? So he's wondering, where is this heir that you have promised me, Lord? Where is my child? Where is my son? So it's just so real, you know. This is just we can relate to this, people. It's like God's called me in my life, and and you're going, but you're like, where's the fruit? Where? Why is this manifesting the way that you promised or that you showed me, or or what's happening, you know? And he's and he's being real. He's questioning it, you know. He's just. It's like he's not, he's no longer doubting God. He's just like, I just don't get it, God. You know, it's kind of like that. And I yeah. think that's where it's at. But during dark times, we wait for God to show up. Sometimes it seems like forever. And this is what's happening. It's like you're you're waiting, you're waiting, but it's like 
right, God, where are you? You know, why is this taking so long? You're right. Then when he does, he tells us things to help us, but then there might be other things said that not, that have not come true or don't make much sense. That's what's happening here with Abraham. I want to rest in you, God. I want to believe you, but I'm very old now and your promises to me is impossible. You know, one of the basic lessons in the school of faith is God's will must be fulfilled in God's way and in God's time. Let me say it again. This is the, this is the, you know, school of faith right here. God's will must be fulfilled in God's way and in God's time. God did not expect Abraham and Sarah to figure out how to have an heir. All he asked was that they be available so he can accomplish his purposes in and through him. So basically, God was waiting for them to be good as dead before his miracle. And I've found that in my own life. It's like, God's like, dude, I can't do this. And he's like, you're right. You can't. That's the point. When it's impossible for man, it then becomes possible for God. And there's, there's situations that you might be going through or people or whoever or, or things in life where it seems impossible. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. All you experience is darkness. And Satan wants you to implode. He wants you to give up. He wants you to try to figure it out yourself. He wants you to take ownership of this. He wants you to come up with radical ways to get yourself out of this. Hmm. And Jesus is telling you, be still and know that I'm God rest in me, rest in me, and let me be your God. Let me figure this out. If my timing is perfect, my way is perfect, my promises are true every day, you never have to doubt that. If I have started a good work in you, I will be faithful to complete it. And you have to recognize that. And so that's that's where we're at right now with Abraham. You know, it's pretty Amen. cool. Yeah. yeah, really cool. In verse six, we see that he believes in the Lord. Promises do us no good unless we believe them and act on them. Abraham had already trusted God's promises in chapter 12 and proved it by leaving his home and going to Canaan. But here in verse 6 is the first reference in the Bible to Abraham's faith. Basically, this is just John 3.16 of the Old Testament. Yep. And, for the, and for this reason, the New Testament writers use it to illustrate salvation by faith alone. Yeah, we don't realize, but verse six is such a powerful Old Testament verse, right? So this this powerful verse lets it break down the original Hebrew. So let's try to figure it out. So it contains only five words, okay? So in the original Hebrew, it's five words, but these five words have a wealth of information. Um, the verse is quoted three times in the New Testament, Galatians 3, 6, Romans 4, 3, James 2, 23. The three key words are believe, counted, and righteousness. Abraham believed God, which literally is translated, Abraham said, amen, God. That's what he said. Amen, amen, God. He believed him. Amen, God. I get it. And then the Hebrew word translated believed means to lean your whole weight upon. So Abraham leaned wholly on the promise of God and the God of the promise. Let me say that again. Abraham leaned wholly on the promise of God and the God of the promise. You see that? And so it's not only are we surrendering and leaning and believing, but we're also leaning on the promise of God. So if God said it, he is faithful to complete it. And we can work on that. So in the word of God, when we read the word of God and we hear the word of God and God speaks to you and God shares to you his truth, he will fulfill it. You do not have to worry about that. So we are not saved by making promises to God, but by believing the promises 
of God. It's not like, you know, it's, it's God's going to reveal himself to you. It's not you revealing yourself to him. <laughs> He's the one that's showing up to you. He's going to be the one that speaks to you. That's just the goodness of God. So that's kind of what's happening. All right. So that leads us to our last key word. The last word of the five, verse six, yeah, righteousness. Yeah. This is the one thing Abraham needs the most righteousness. This is the greatest need of people in our world today as well. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, none are righteous, no, not one. So how did Abraham receive this righteousness? Yeah, so the, the I, I went into the details of the counted and to um, uh, the counted and believe. So believe and counted, but this one is a righteousness and this is right. It's every one of us needs the righteousness, the right living or the way to the way to live rightly. Right. And so it's like in the world, it's confusion, chaos, everything. What do I do? What's right? What's not right? Well, Jesus brings righteousness. He brings the way of living, the right living. But simply, he believed the Lord and righteousness was given to him. So when we give our lives to the Lord, we take on the righteousness of Christ. It's, it's like now the Holy Spirit is living within us and the Holy Spirit's job is to point to us all things Jesus. And so as Jesus lived the right life and lived the holy life, we now take on that as well. And so we have that. So he believed the Lord. Because he believed the Lord, the righteousness was given to him. The word given or impute means to put to one's account. So what it's saying here is on the cross, our sins were put on Jesus' account. Isaiah 53, 12 says, our sins were numbered or counted by our transgressions. When Jesus suffered punishment that belongs to us, he willfully did so, so that when we put our trust in him, his righteousness is put into our account. I would encourage our listeners to take time and read Galatians 3, Romans 4, and James 2, and you will see how Abraham illustrates the salvation by faith. But it's understanding the righteousness that was given to Abraham here is, is a huge deal is with, uh, the world is, is confused. The world is seeking this righteousness. They're seeking this truth. Um, that's why we have all of these things that are, you know, the science is truth and science is this, you know, or what is truth? There is no absolute truth. Your truth is whatever you feel it's to be or whatever. They do not have righteousness. They do not have a way. That's why Jesus said in John 14, six, I am the way, the truth and the life. Those that righteousness is the ability to live righteously, the ability to do the right thing, to have the pathway forward, to know what is right. And so that was what was given to Abraham. It's a big deal. And uh, when we believe, when we surrender, then we're given that same righteousness. I, to, I mm. Let's just, I mean, try to comprehend this, right? It's like before Christ, we don't have that. After Christ, we have now truth. We have the way. We have righteousness. We're able to live righteous living. We're able to live holy. It's not because it's, we're holy. It's because Christ is holy. Amen. And because what Christ did, he then gives to us in our account. We now have what he had. It's mind-boggling. Well, what, what about if I still sin or fall short? Yeah, in the flesh, because you still have choices. You can choose to live righteously, or you could choose to live in the flesh. But the difference is, as a believer and a child of God, you have that choice. And as a child of God, you know what is right and what is the right way. And where you're not a child of God, you don't know what the right way is. You're searching for the right way. But there's that's the difference. And when we repent of our sin or we say, no, that isn't the best way, 
and we share with God our heart and our desire, he then says, well done, move on, let's go. I got you. I got you. I'm your shield. I'll protect you. Let's move. It's like, it's incredible. He doesn't even see the sin anymore. He just sees the righteousness so amazing. that has been given into our account. So amazing. It doesn't is. mean it's without consequences, but, right. but, it's been, but it's forgiven. Yeah. I mean, if I get a lady pregnant outside of marriage, guess what? You're having a baby, right? There's consequences of your sin. Yep. Or if you have sex with the many, many different people, you might have HIV or you might get some sort of disease. There's consequences of your sin. Or if I go out and shoot somebody because of anger, I'm going to jail, right? For, for life, right? There's consequence to your sin. Or if you beat up your wife or this, whatever, whatever. But in Jesus, we now know the right thing to do. Where before we might be searching for it, that we're reacting in our anger and we're acting in our emotions and all this stuff. We have no direction. We have no way. Yeah. But in God, we now have a way. We have a choice. I can choose to sin, but we know there's consequences. Or I can ask the Holy Spirit to lead me out of that sin and point me back into the way, into the righteous living. There it is. Thank you. Yeah. All right. The answer to Abraham's fear was God's presence. I am statements. Um, what, what does that mean, Pete? The I am statements. So he, whenever you go through the Old Testament, you're going to see I am. Remember when Jesus in the New Testament, they asked you, well, who do you say? Well, I am. Yeah. And they all got ticked off at him because he was relating back to the I am in statements that were He's in the Old Testament. basically saying he was God when he said that. Remember when Mo, when Moses asked, who are you? Who, who I tell him is, I am that I am. Yeah. So it's whenever Jesus says I am, it's like I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good. That's It's all throughout the Old Testament. And so... This is an I am statement to him. I am your shield. I am your protector. He's telling him, I am the one that's going to give you this promises and give this covenant to you. So, so the, the answer to Abraham's concerns about his heir was God's promise, I will. Mm. How will God answer Abraham's third concern of the promised land told uh, that, that was promised to him? So to read let's read about that. So, man, I'm stumbling. Well, that, but let's just give context. So, yeah, please. so the first one was, I am, I am, I am your shield. The next one is I will provide you. I will give you an heir, right? right. So whenever we're sitting in God's presence, we're waiting on, him, he's going to give you an, I am statement. I am your shield. I am your provider. I am your protector. I am your, your mm. peace. I am your joy, right? I am, he's going to give that to you, but then he's also going to say, I will. And that's what happened, you know? So now we're going to unpack what is the third command? What is the third thing that he gave? So let's read verses 7 through 21 and find out. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans. Yep, Chaldeans. Yep. Okay. (laughs) To give you this land to possess. But he said, oh, Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a pigeon, a young pigeon. And he brought him all of these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners. I can never say this word. Sojourners. So, sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. They will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. 
you shall be buried in a good old age. <laughs> That's a promise right there, right? And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. Talking about the animals again. Yep. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham's, Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, to the river Euphrates, land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, all the ites, the Hittites, the Parasites, not Parasites, Perizzites, and, 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 the, and the Rephium. They're not a site. No, they're a, they're a giant. Okay, and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites <laughs> and the parasites. We're going to get the, into this last part. The, we need to have cultural context. All the ites. Yeah. <clears throat> so th- what is Jesus talking about when he's talking about the fire and he goes down and all that stuff? But well, we're going to give that here in a little bit. There needs to be context here. But um, again, um, let's go through and let's just dissect okay. it in verse seven. So and verse seven, God yeah. is reminding Abraham of his promise to give him the land. The land is an essential part of the covenant because it is the land of Israel that the divine drama of salvation's history was performed. Land of Israel will also be a setting for the final act of that drama when the Messiah returns to rule over the earth. We're going to get into this, but Isaac's son was Jacob, right? Then God, he wrestled with Jacob, um, he wrestled with God, we know the story, and then he changed his name to Israel, right? So that's the promised land is it became Israel. Um, but yeah, so the first one is I am, I will, and then I promise. So it's it's the I, I promise. So, so amen. For centuries, Israel was a nation without a land, and it seemed that the covenant promise would not be fulfilled. In 1932, I use G. Campbell Morgan all the time in quotes. He wrote this in 1932. I am now convinced that the teaching of Scripture as a whole is that there is no future for Israel as an <laughs> earthly people at all. Oops. So, but I mean, he's, I mean, he's looking at it and he's there's studying, no, he's no studying the world, and there's nothing happening. Yeah. Right. So this is 1932, but then in May 14, 1948, the rebirth of the nation of Israel began just as God promised Abraham and sent the Messiah. So he will keep his promises and restore his land to his people. So <clears throat> Abraham never saw this promise fulfilled, Right. He, we're going to go into this. He told him that his people are going to suffer 400 years. You know, he's like, hey, oh, by the way, your seed's going to go through this. And then finally, they're going to go into the land. He's like, oh, okay, really? You know, but he never felt, but he knew that God's promises were true. He believed in it and he lived it. He just knew it was going to happen in his lifetime. But for us here now living today, as in G. Campbell Morgan in 1932, He's looking at Israel and saying, listen, the Bible says Abraham's promises that the people are going to come into the covenant and he's never going to leave them, but they're not there. Hmm. You know, they're not there. I mean, this is only 90 years ago. (laughs) Right. And so, but in 1948, so now this sets it up for God to come back again, the Messiah to come back. They needed to be in the land in order the Messiah to come again. So when he steps foot on the temple, or the, the Mount of Olives, that is when it's, you know, the final, that's it. And so that doesn't happen unless 1948 happens. So what's, which was going on in Israel today and all of the craziness and the chaos and everything else, it makes you wonder, is God coming soon? I, I think so. Sure looks the that the world's in absolute, it's on fire. It's in chaos. There's so much craziness. 
And it's now, you know, I think it's just a matter of time. I don't know. We can't predict it, but I mean, he gives us in Matthew 20, 24, 25, he gives us the, you know, what to look for birth pains. It talks about, well, wars. there's a lot of birth pains, wars right and now. rumors of wars. Yep. Yep. I wonder, you know, back in the 30, 1930s, people thought, you know, Hey, this could be the time, but what you just stated there says, no, it couldn't have been because right. Israel wasn't, it wasn't there. Right. So I just, I mean, let's just put it in context again. So, Abraham's not going to see it, but he still believes the promise. So for us, we're in darkness. We finally surrender to God. God's taking his time to do whatever he's going to do, but he's going to come and say, I am something to you. And he's going to tell you what he's going to do. And then he's also going to give you a promise. Hmm. And it's kind of his, it's kind of way that he works. And it's like, we walk with him long enough. You're going to be going through that the same as Abraham's gone through that. So, okay. All right. So in verses 8 through 12, Abraham is asking God how he should know he has inherited the land. The question was not a sign of unbelief, but a request but a request for a token of insurance. He was confident that God would give him the promised son, but the land was in the hands of 10 pagan nations. It was one thing for Abraham to own the land, but how would his descendants possess it so they could enjoy it? I, I mean, I do this all the time with God. It's like, okay, God, I understand what you're doing and seeing this, but look, I mean, because like, one, let's talk about natural discipleship. We right now, for natural discipleship, have a an army of Africans and people within that region of 1040 window, which is no, all of North Africa, all the Middle East, all the Muslim countries, all Asia and so forth. 5.3 billion people live in that area and or 5.7 billion. And that's the most unreached people group in the world. They don't know Jesus, right? Well, we have a mission and we're training and we're doing things, everything we can to reach this area. And we're putting together trainings and doing all this stuff. And I look at it and I look like, like, like God here. I think, Lord, it's controlled by all pagan nations. I have no idea how we're going to be able to penetrate that. I have no idea how we're going to be able to get in that. But God showed me and promised me and said, no, I'm going to use you to be able to get into those nations, to be able to share God's truth and be able to do it. I am doing a work there, but I look at it the same way Abraham did. I'm asking God, how is this going to be possible? I don't know. He's still working. We have amendments in it. We're in Miramar now. We're in Pakistan. We're in certain parts of India and Philippines and all of those areas, but nothing major in the Muslim countries yet. We're looking. We have Sierra Leone and certain ones, but I'm just praying, God, you are going to do the work. It's your promise. You love these people. You desire to use us for your glory in this. But man, it's sure overcome by these pagan nations. And, and it just looks hopeless. So I can relate to this question. And it got me emotional when I was going through this. But what was described in verses 9 through 17 was known uh, that day as the cutting a covenant. This solemn ritual involved the death of animals and the binding of people to a promise. The persons making the covenant would sacrifice several animals and divide the bodies, placing the halves opposite each other on the ground. Then the parties would walk between the pieces of the sacrifice and declaration that if they failed to keep their word, they deserve the same fate as the animals. Hmm. So what we see in uh, what we see in uh, Jeremiah 34, 18, 19 uh, is, is this laid out. But the Abraham experience was different. He killed the animals, laid them on the ground, and spent the rest of the day fighting off the birds of prey that were scattered to the flesh and blood. 
When the sun went down, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and then God appeared to him and spoke to him. In verse 17, it says, but God alone passed between the parts of the sacrifices. It was God who made the promises to Abraham, not Abraham who made promises to God. There were no conditions attached. The covenant of grace came from the generous heart of God. So that puts it in context. So when you're reading that, you have to understand they had a custom to do it themselves to understand it. And so it was a covenant they made between the man, right? This was God making the covenant with Abraham and showing him, I'm giving this to you. It's my grace, not because you deserve it. I'm giving this to you. And then he gave, and through his line, the Messiah came. And now we are now, as Romans goes into detail, we are now, uh, we are now, um, we are now reaping the benefits of Abraham's uh, faithfulness. We now are able to take that full, the full measure of Christ and his righteousness and holiness, because that is the covenant that we And thanks for sharing that context. Yeah. You read that story and it's just, okay, that's weird. Yeah, but you need to know why they're why yeah. they're doing it to understand what yeah. God's doing. Yeah, uh, that's really cool. All right, in verse thirteen, um, it talks about Abraham's people will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them for four hundred years. This is referring to Israel's entire stay in Egypt, from Jacob's arrival uh, to the Exodus in Exodus twelve forty, puts the entire stay at about four hundred and thirty years. Thirty years of peace under Joseph. Joseph's rule, and 400 years of affliction. My question is, why do you think God waited 400 years to deliver his people? That's a great question. There's there's a, many scholars out there that have read this, and they says, it shows here that 400 years of affliction, and then somewhere else it says they were there for 430 years. They're like, see, there's a problem in the Bible. It, it says that they were in 400 years, but they forget that there was 30 years of pierce under Joseph. Hmm. And so that you have to know the Bible in context, but so many scholars or so many people were trying to say, there's a problem in the Bible and all that. Yeah, but you don't, you're not seeing it in context. So 430 years, they were there total. 30 years was under peace and then 400 years under infliction. And we'll talk about Joseph here, you know, in the coming months. Oh yeah. But the question you had was, why did he wait 400 years? I always ask that for my own life. Why God have you not come back again so soon? Why are you still waiting? Right. But I believe the biggest reason, and in, in it's today as it was then, is because God was long-suffering with the nations in the land of Canaan, and he's long-suffering with us today. Because how many people were not saved four, four years ago? Aren't you glad that he had long-suffering so that you gave your life to the Lord whenever you did? So I believe that's part of the reason. He gave them more time to repent. Second Peter 3, 8, and 9 says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So many people don't understand why God killed so many people when Israel entered into the land of Canaan. What they forgot is that God gave them four centuries to repent, and they did not. So God, I mean, in context, God revealed himself, repent through the prophets and through the people and said, listen, you need to repent. And I'm sure he revealed himself one way or the other that if you do not repent, you're wiped out. And they did not repent. And the same thing with us. You know, if you do not repent, you continue in your sin, you continue to do that and you get wiped out. Don't blame God because you got wiped out. It's the consequences of your non-repentant. 
And the same thing goes with other people. And eventually what happens is when people are so hard headed and so callous that their hearts become callous to a point where there's no return, then I would never want to be there. Mm. I would never want to live in that point. And so be careful with that. Um, all right. Yeah, it makes me, it just reminds me, you, you hear people say, um, you know, I don't believe a, a good God would send people to hell. It, it's not like you're already in hell. <laughs> He's provided a way to heaven. And I think we, you know, maybe it's the enemy. Maybe it's the devil that just tries to twist that in our minds and make God. He's not, like, not putting not anybody to hell. He's oh. given everybody a lifeline to heaven. Yes. Your choices is putting you to hell. That's right. So that's the difference. Okay. He's God, not you. Get it right. <laughs> Get it right. Yeah. Darn it. Verse 15 says, Abraham shall be buried at a good old age, Pete. I, I love it. In Genesis 25, 7, it tells us how old he was when he died. Do you want to be 175 years old? Never. Die, Pete? No way. He's like, no, I'm ready today. Nope. To live as Christ, to die as gain. It's a long time. But in spite of Abraham's occasional failures, he accomplished the will of God and brought blessings to the whole world. This promise from God must have given Abraham and Sarah great encouragement during times of difficulty. Just as promises like Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring the completion the day of Jesus Christ. We've used this many times. There it is. And in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When Abraham was concerned about himself, God assured him by saying, I am. When he was concerned about his heir, he heard God say, I will. His concern about the land was met by God's I have given. In Jesus, God gives those names, assur those same assurances to his people today. Abraham believed God. Do you believe God with all of your heart? That's the question that we should all be asking. And, and we talked about today um, that times of darkness. We talked about today that sometimes God takes forever to show up and I believe it's in those dark times that we grow the most and um, he allows them so that we can find intimacy with the father. Um, I told Christine this and we've, you know, you look back through our testimony in our life, there has been a lot of hard times. There's been a lot of difficulty. And um, I look back and I would not want to change that for anything. And I, and I see how God has molded and shaped my life to be more like Jesus and to be, uh, I have more love. I have more gentleness. I have more kindness than I've ever had. I'm still imperfect and I'm still learning and still growing. Um, but I'm definitely on the journey to walk intimately with the Father. And so I pray that today it blessed you. And maybe you've been going through some darkness. Maybe there's been hard times and troubling times. And and if that is you, that God says, just come unto him. You know, just 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 stop believing the lies of Satan. Stop believing uh, in the darkness that's surrounding you. Stop trying. Stop giving in to the worry, the fear, the anxiety, and the doubt, and and just say, God, I confess, I believe. I I want to I want to turn from this. I want to I want to believe that you are God, that you are my shield. I want to believe that you are my protection. I want to believe that you are my provider. And and it's when you can be broken and contrite. It's when you can surrender yourself to that level and believe upon God is when God can now have access to your life. Otherwise, you're taking control. Otherwise, you're, you're running from him. Otherwise, you're doing it your own way. You got to figure out the mess. God says, I will figure out your mess. I will work everything together for good, for your, for according to, your, to my will and to your purposes, for his purposes. 
And you just have to believe him. You just have to trust him. And so if that's you today and you haven't put your trust in him, well, you could do it right now. Say, God, I ask you, forgive me of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of, of doing it my way for so long. I choose today to believe that you are God, the God of the universe, the King of Kings, the, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I believe that Jesus, you died on the cross and rose again on the third day. And I put all of myself in you today. I believe. And, and the Bible says that when you do that, that all the angels in heaven rejoice with you. And more than importantly, is you have now opened up the heaven's gates, the door of God to be able to speak to you, to come fellowship with you and minister with you and take over your life in, in a radical, awesome way. You know, the Bible says that our prayers are like the incense in heaven. It says when you humble your heart before him, the, the sweet aroma, the incense of heaven is filled and you are blessing God by that humility, by saying, I trust him, you're blessing him. But the next thing you need to do is the Bible says, go and confess it. You don't just give your life to the Lord and be set free like this and not want to rejoice it and not share it with everybody. The Bible says, when you confess it before man, I too will confess you before my father in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I too will deny you before my father in heaven. You, you've been denying God for too long. It's time to confess it. And we would love to hear that you've given your life to the Lord or even repented. And Bob, how could they get a hold of us today? Yeah, Pete, as we talked about at the top of the show, go to any of our social media sites. Go to X, go to Facebook. You can reach out to us there. Another really good place to go is our website, theriotpodcast.com. There's a contact us um, spot. Just scroll down to the bottom there and you'll see that. And uh, and we would love to hear from you. And I also want to encourage you again. I know we talked about it earlier, Pete. But uh, download the new app. Uh, just It has all of the resources right there at your fingertips. Uh, easy access. You can get all the latest episodes. You can listen to the podcast. You can watch the podcast on YouTube. Just a great resource. So I encourage you to, to do that as well. And then one final thing, uh, listeners, tune in next week. We are going to have an amazing show as you get to hear about Abraham's wife. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's just a really, it's going to be a really, really good show. Yeah. And it might even be funny. It is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Be blessed. This has been the Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of the Riot Podcast.